Hello and welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Uh, this week, we are going to come back in here. We mentioned it. Uh, Mike and I were talking about this last week when we were doing Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, we're actually going to be covering one of our favorites. Going back to John Hughes again, we're going to cover Uncle Buck. Alrighty. And we have Eva here with us, and we have Mike here with us. Uh, what were your guys' thoughts on this movie? Hmm. Um, it wasn't bad. It didn't totally suck, but I think that, and there were a lot of really great one-liners, um, and I liked John Candy's character in it. Um, it was okay. It, it was, uh, if I were to grade it, I would say maybe B minus, maybe. Okay. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like, it's not one of like the ones that I'm going to like actively seek out to watch. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, see, this for me is one that I will watch all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, stuff like 16 Candles, those are not John Hughes films that I'll seek out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, there you go. But, yeah. but this one for me, this one was awesome. And I saw this, I didn't find out about Uncle Buck until after Home Alone had come out. So going back and watching this and seeing a young Kevin McAllister in this, I was like, hey, wait a second, what's he doing in this movie? <laughs> Um, but no, John Candy, just such a great, great actor and a great comedian. Um, I don't think this ever happened, but nowadays, if they both weren't too old, I would love to see a comedy movie with John Candy and Chris Farley. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. That would be so amazing. so great. Well, let me yeah, stop they, for a second they because so, they were both such great talents, and it's just yeah. uh, well, yeah. they were actually in a movie together. Were they? Yeah, it, it was actually the one. Uh, John Candy died on the set. Really? Oh, Wagons East. Yes. Wagons really? East. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, he had a heart attack right on the set. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Chris Farley was in that. Matt, uh, Matthew Perry was in that. So. Yes. You know, I, I don't know how long he was actually in there, but they actually had a little bit of him in there. That's hmm. right. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, yeah, they were, I agree with Mike. It, they were just very, very good talents, both of them. And it just it was a sh- I, I remember being sad. And I don't remember when John Candy passed away, but I remember being sad, thinking, wow. It was short, it was, he died during the filming of the movie. So this came out, Wagons East came out. In Early ninety ninety four, so he yeah. died. Sure, he died during that time. I was thinking, yeah, ninety three, yeah, ninety four. Wow, gosh, twenty years. It's. Yeah. I I will say this. I liked obviously because I love John Candy and his acting. You know, he portrayed Uncle Buck to a T. It was brilliant. It was perfect. He reminded me a lot of like how my husband is with our daughters. Because he's going to be the guy that's going to be out on the front porch in his wife beater tank, stained with barbecue sauce, polishing the gun while Christina's going to go off on her dates. I can totally <laughs> see it. He's even made jokes about it. He's like, you know what? I'm going to follow you to your date. I'm going to be there in the background polishing my gun. You know, it, I could totally see 
my husband going and following my daughters on their dates with a freaking hatchet in the back. I can totally see it. So there's there's aspects to it that I thought were just hilarious as a parent and as the wife of somebody who is very overprotective of his kids. So that part of it was humorous to me. And I hadn't seen this as a kid. I saw, I came to this as a grown up, you know, for this podcast. So mm-hmm. maybe I, you know, it's kind of interesting because the movies that I didn't see as a kid and I've experienced them for the first time as a grown up, I kind of wonder how I would have liked it back in the day if I had seen it versus now, you know, um, Another thing, too, uh, totally kind of off topic, but I can't stand Macaulay Culkin. So it kind of, like, I don't want to say it ruined it for me. Um, it just, yeah, it, it was it was a good movie. I can't say it sucked, but, yeah. Well, trust me, I've got stuff to mention when we get to Macaulay Culkin and the cast. <laughs> so, oh, <boy. laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have to say, I love this movie. This is actually one of my family's favorites. Uh, the scene where... You see Buck, and he drives up to school. He drives uh, his niece up to school there to drop her off. Oh, yes. And he's telling her that he's going to be there to pick her up. And she's yep. like, no, I'll get a ride home. Yep. I'll pick you up, or else tomorrow I'll show up in my robe and walk you to class. I loved that. Oh, okay. God. My mother still uses that. She still That's... loves that line because she's like, remember, I can embarrass the hell out of you by doing something like that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The sad thing is, I wouldn't put my mother past doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, he portrayed that over-the-top, kind of obnoxious. The car cracked me up. I'm just like, oh, my God, really? It, it, but it fit his persona, you know? And oh, it yeah. just, you know, it, it was great. And I'm just thinking, if I knew somebody that was like that, you know, it, it would just be hilarious to be around them. But, you know, he really did care about those kids. And what I loved, too, is that he did all this stuff and Tia did not get to him. He just let every bitchy thing she said roll on. And I, I fucking hated her. I wanted to reach to the screen and sprinkle <laughs> that fucking bitch. From the from the very first scene, I'm like, I fucking hate this bitch. And it just, that, I, think that's part, that, I think that's the main reason I did not 100% like the movie. Yeah. yeah. Is she yeah. was such a bitch that it just, it was a complete turnoff. I was like, you know what? Within two minutes, she comes into that scene and I'm like, uh-uh. And I thought to myself, if I even so much as looked sideways at my mother, the way she looked at Buck, I would have gotten <laughs> my face slapped so hard, my teeth would have gone across the floor, you know? It just, uh, as a parent, especially of all girls, it just like, oh, it was like, no, 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 no. Um, well, and she had her mother kind of wrapped around her finger, too. Because... Totally. The, both of them. I was like, these parents are just rolling over pushovers. Mm-hmm. I could not believe that. I'm like, this bitch is completely, like, has free reign to say and do whatever the hell she wants. And these parents are just like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, but I loved how Buck's reaction to her was just kind of like, go ahead, try me, you know? And he just... <laughs> shrugged off and took it and didn't face him at all. And that, you know. Yeah, I mean, and Buck was manipulative. And you could see that, especially with, you know, with the picking her up and telling her that if she didn't, uh, he'd take her to school in his robe. And then when she was playing the game of, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to do what I want and that's going to be it. And he, he sits there and he goes, 
just remember your crazy uncle might come along one night while you're asleep and shave yep. your head. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and Not she's like, her. crap, he might actually do it. <laughs> yeah. What I loved about it as a parent also, as far as the manipulation part, is that he's not telling her necessarily, no, you can't do this. He's just saying, if you're going to go do this, this is the consequence you know, that could potentially happen if you do it. And that's very, very good parenting tactic. I remember my parents did that on me. You know, we're not going to stop you from drinking. However, if you go to this party and you drink, here's what's going to happen. You know, it's yeah. very, and it, it makes you think twice. Okay, do I really want to go out and party right now, knowing that my parents know what I'm doing and I'm going to catch shit when I get home? It's very more, it's much more effective, in my opinion, than outright saying, no, you can't do this. Um, and even though he didn't have kids, he seemed to know instinctively. Okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna match wits with this chick. I'm gonna let her know, I'm not gonna be a pushover, but I'm not gonna be like in her face either. You know, he, he, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant in terms of how he just matched wits with her. It was, it was awesome. No yeah. matter what she said, no matter what dirty look she gave him, it was great. Yeah. To me, this movie is all about Buck and his interaction with the two younger kids, Maisie and Miles. Because regardless of how you feel about Macaulay Culkin on or off screen, those roles, those two kid roles were just amazing and awesome. Oh, yeah. Dude, you know what it is? I don't like Home Alone, so I can't stand Home Alone. So, but he, I don't know if Uncle Buck was his first movie role. Um, I don't, it might have been his first, like, kind of like big, well, Home Alone was his breakout. Yes. His, no, his very first role was something called Rocket Gibraltar. After that, he did See You in the Morning and then Uncle Buck. Wow, okay. He was cute. I, I give him that. Um, and he was, you know, he, he knew how to act. It just, I think Home Alone just, I just didn't like the movie and it, it just, but it was, it was sweet. I agree. He, I love the pancake scene, you know, for the birthday. <laughs> those, those are the coolest pancakes I've ever seen. I was just like, oh man, he tried so hard to win them all over. And oh, the yeah. two little ones, you know, they, they responded to him and I agree it it made the movie more light and more fun and more positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Tia was just such a bitch that it just, it, it, it basically did kind of ruin it for me. Um, and the little ones did save it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, to be fair, I, I, we've seen this kind of theme before in John Hughes films. I mean, take a look at Molly Ringwald's character in 16 candles. Yeah. Okay. She kind of had that uh, bitch attitude. She did. And, you know, now we're seeing it again in this one. It's it's not uncommon. It's not an uncommon theme for most of John Hughes' films. Even in, I never thought of it, yeah. Yeah, even in Ferris Bueller, you had uh, Ferris's older sister that kind of had that bitchy attitude. Very yeah, true. I did, yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's true. I mean, and actually capturing that, you know, the teen genre, of course, teen angst and anger and the, the drama mm. and the moodiness and the bitchiness and, I mean, all of that. He, he did so brilliant at encompassing all of those, you know, teen yeah. emotions in his films. So you're right. I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised. 
surprised coming into it and seeing that it was just such an immediate turnoff because I'm just thinking as a mother, I was just like, Oh, you fucking bitch. I'm going to reach through this screen and strangle your ass. Yeah. That's what it was. It was, it was the mother in me that just like made my blood boil. Like, and then, and then her mother on screen just kind of dealt with like, let it roll off her back. You know, just like, are you kidding me? Raise your freaking hand and slap this bitch, you know? Yeah. It, it frustrated me. I was just like, these parents are the biggest pussies I've ever seen. Well, so, let's face it. The parents are really only there in the beginning and at the end of the film. So they're only there to see the bad side and then the good side. So they're not there during the duration because they're off burying some family member or something or other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what it was was her dad had a heart attack. And let's, let's go ahead and we'll delve into that a little bit here. Jump into yeah. the plot a bit so we can kind of cover that. Uh, what happens for the, for the movie here is it starts out, the kids are just, you know, you've got Maisie and Miles there. They're kind of going through life and just being abused by their older sister, Tia. And mm-hmm. Tia is basically just, she is, as Eva said, a raging bitch throughout the entire mo- <laughs> entire movie, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see her, they're, they're at odds. We, we start off that night, like the night of the first, uh, the opening scenes there, we find out that her grandfather has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And so her parents are rushing back off to Indianapolis and she totally resents them because of the fact that they moved away and now they're having to go back and leaving the kids there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was kind of pissing her off. And then, and then of course they're trying to figure out who they're going to get to watch the kids. And you know, the, the dad is kind of like, crap, who am I going to get? Well, there's, there's always my brother, my brother Buck, you know, we'll get him to come out. And he's like, ah, mm-hmm. now Buck. Yeah. But- yeah, the mother doesn't want anything to do with it because everyone seems to think Buck is just this unreliable loser. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He's, he's kind of the black sheep of the family, and and you even see that in the wedding album when Buck is looking through yes. it. They folded his, they folded him out of the picture. That mm-hmm. was so sad. I that actually kind of like made me tear up a little bit. I was like, that is just wrong. That is just so wrong, you know? Yeah. Family, you know what? Yes, every family has a black sheep, whatever, you know? But it's like, he, he was if, he was a good person. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he was just this complete asshole, crooked, you know, he was, a, underneath, he was a good person. And that was what got me. It was just like, I can understand, you know, he's irresponsible, whatever, you know, a bit obnoxious, but to, but yeah. And even like the wife was like, oh, do we really want Buck here? You know, just bitchy about it. It's like, you know, yeah. this is family. This, you know, regardless of whatever mistakes he's made or what, you know, well, what, what little he's made of his life. It just, that kind of threw me. I was like, yeah. he's not a bad person. Well, Why? Why? actually kind of, there, there was a lot of things going on because he didn't want to have a job. He was unemployed. He wanted to just go as the wind carried him in a sense. He would mm-hmm. go and he bet on uh, rigged horse races, which is how mm-hmm. he made his money for the year so that he didn't have to work. Yeah. His girlfriend wanted him to go in and work at the tire store with her. And he's just like, really? I have to go sit down at a desk in an office? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I get that. That was not him, in, in, yeah. you know, at least at the start of this. And, you know, once he's kind of thrown into this role where he has to be responsible for the kids, you can see him just totally do this 180. Yeah. And he started becoming more responsible and everything. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Until that wacky next door neighbor, uh, Aunt Jackie, oh. shows up. <laughs> uh, yes. yes, Laurie Metcalf shows up, and that's just. That whole dancing yes. scene. Sheldon Cooper's mother, for Christ's sakes. Yes. I mean, when I saw that, I'm like, she looks awfully familiar. Who the hell is that? And I'm like, yes. oh, my God. Yes. It was like light bulbs going off. And see, again, I had, you know, I hadn't seen it before this. So I was just like, oh, wow. How cool. Um, yeah. That, that was something else that kind of bothered me, too. Like I mentioned before, just the amount of animosity that they had towards him. And it's like, what did he do specifically for this animosity? And it was sad because even when they called him and he was like, it was like, what, two, three o'clock in the morning. And he was right there. Sure. I'll do it. Not no hesitation whatsoever. You know, which to me is very kind and responsible. He could have said, fuck you. You never call me. You never invite me over. Fuck you. You know, he jumped to their bidding and he goes over there and then it was, that was sweet. And then I'm thinking, okay. He shows up and he does. He doesn't go to the right house, if I remember correctly. He goes yeah. to the wrong house, and mm-hmm. you know it was supposed to be comical. But I'm thinking this is fucking sad. You know, his family, his brother and his brother's family don't even invite him over. He doesn't even know where his brother's house is. Yeah. It just, yeah. you know, that part just kind of got me. It was like yeah. this poor guy. He's been shunned, and then when he, you know, when he's needed, when there's nobody else around, call Buck. You know. Yeah. Well, um, well Buck was always seen as kind of the you, and you can tell this, he was seen as the bumbling, I'm just going to try and make it through life type of character. Yeah. And yeah. that's how the rest of the family saw him. And then he finally starts, you start seeing this different side of him because mm-hmm. of where he's come from on the other side. Yeah. You know, and from what he's dealt with and in, in trying to trick people and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, you know, especially, and, and that really shows up when we start seeing uh, him coming up against Tia and Tia's boyfriend, Bug. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God. Uh, That's where I could see my husband totally. (laughs) I could see my husband, like, talking and, like, just heckling the boyfriends and don't you touch her. You better watch your back. You know, I could totally see that. And it just cracked me up. The look of terror on Bug's face throughout the (laughs) every scene that there was with Buck and Bug. It just, oh. oh. Especially the first meeting when he walks up to the car (laughs) there ever hear of a tune up <laughs> ever hear of a ritual <laughs> killing <laughs> yep great so great oh i love it and i have to interject what the hell is up with that name bug i i, don't, I didn't catch that was that like a nickname for some or i, I have know. no idea <laughs> i don't know because the cat in in the cast list he's only list his character is listed as bug wow uh, so that poor, poor kid. I was like, okay, this has got to be short for something or got to be a nickname for something. But I didn't catch any other name. I was just like, wow, really? It was the 80s. People were going by weird things. True. Know, look true. at Boy George. <laughs> yes. And it's got a negative connotation to it, like the character. So it makes sense. But I just, yeah. oh, I loved like, just the way that he didn't let these teenagers affect him in any way. It was just. He, being himself, scared the holy bejesus out of her, you know him, and it just—it was so mm-hmm. funny. It was so well done. Well, well, see, and that's the thing about this movie is that 
yes, Buck may be the black sheep of the family. Yes, they may not want to be in contact with him, but Buck as that character has the reason why he basically agreed right away. Not only is it because he wants to do the right thing, it's because he wants the family's attention. He wants to get to know his family because he hasn't in the past. And yeah. that's that's one of the good qualities of this movie. Mm-hmm. And he's just being himself. To the two younger kids, he's the awesome uncle that they've never really known because he's got yeah. a car that basically fires a shotgun blast every time it stops. <laughs> you know, he... <laughs> You know, he basically does all this fun, cool stuff with them, like, you know, um, I don't know, putting socks in the oven to dry them. Oh, I love you that. Know, I mean, yes. You know, he does all this cool stuff, and that's, okay, sure, yes, in his life with Shanice and everything else and his, his girlfriend there, yeah, sure, he's not the most... I wouldn't say upstanding, but he's not the most on the right path kind of guy when it comes to a job and and making money in life. But he still has a decent life. I mean, you know, he's, you know, and as you said, Eva, he is a a decent guy at the heart of it. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. he's, he's not like one of these, you know, card counters or, 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 you know, cheaters you'd see in Vegas or somebody like that. Sure. He's sure he's rigging the games, but, it's so he can make ends meet. It's not like he's, you know, trying to make millions here. Yeah. 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 And, you know, the, the plot of this movie is so well done between his arrival, between, oh my God, the, the two most, the two scenes that I most remember, and I think I have both these clips, so I'll probably have to send them to Doug, is the clip with the principal. Take this quarter. Go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. Oh, God, I love that. My favorite. This is just him going in, and this is this principal. And and everyone has seen a principal like this lady where she is stuck up and just wants everything to be perfect and everything else. And even though she is stuck up and wants everything to be perfect, she herself is imperfect because she has this giant thing on her face. Oh, I mean, it kind of reminds when I when I went back and watched it, I was like, "Hey, it it's a mole. It's kind of like um, Fred Savage's character in Austin Powers. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. uh, it's a female mole. version mole. of 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 Molly Wart, and and yes. you know." Him bucking that scene, he is himself because he is standing up for his kid, his technically his his family, and okay, that scene and the other one is, <laughs> it's actually a scene with Maisie, where because she's been around Buck, she's learned to curse. <laughs> <laughs> she says the curse word, and the teacher is like, "Blasphemer." I love that line. I freaking love that line. There were so many cute scenes in this. I have to say, the more I'm talking about it, you know, I, I did like this movie. I, you know, I'm looking at all my notes that I've written down because it's been a while since I've seen it, but mm-hmm. it, it was very, very cute. I, I love that principal scene. Oh my God. Part of me was just like, in shock like oh my god here's a 40 year old man talking to this woman like this oh god that you know the obnoxious part of him coming through and that he should know better but it was so freaking funny but well just like and that whole scene just to kind of touch on that because she was 
she was bitching about Maisie being yeah. a dreamer. And yes. His whole attitude was, what the hell? She's six. She's right. supposed to dream. Right. I would love to have a kid who dreams and has imagination. You know, that mm -hmm. she can think for herself. And, right. and you're here trying to stifle this? What the hell kind of educator are you? Exactly. She, he put her in her place, but it was also the element of the insult that just... Oh, I yeah. mean, he says what everybody in the real world, in real life, would love to say to people like that. He just kind of... There's like no filter. It just kind of comes out. And that's... To me, it's both admirable and kind of off-putting at the same time. Oh, but it's yeah. also... But it's also very funny because it's just like, damn, I wish I had the balls to say something like that, you know? <laughs> so it's it's kind of cool, but it it just I cracked my ass off just that entire scene. And there was another one um, where he's in the laundry room trying to get the laundry machine, the washing <laughs> machine to work. <laughs> <laughs> and the neighbor comes in and that was a what the fuck moment for me when when marcy was that her name marcy yes the neighbor, she just like saunters into the house i'm like you just walk into your freaking neighbor's house without you know really you know and then the whole thing where yeah the implications that he's like you know screwing in the laundry room the whole thing was hilarious <laughs> oh my god but that was something I was like, really? This neighbor just kind of comes on over whenever she wants? Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, there, you know, I got to say, some of my favorite parts just involved, you know, at towards the end when you finally see uh, Tia finally starting to realize that Bug is only after one thing. And, and Buck throughout the entire movie is telling her he only wants to get into your pants. That's all he right. wants from you. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's like driving around and he's looking for him, looking for her. And he finally finds out that they're at this party, drives up there and discovers that, well, yeah, Bug is trying to get into the girl's pants. And unfortunately, it's not his niece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That whole scene when he shows up there, finds the room, drills through the lock. <laughs> and comes that in. Was awesome. That was awesome. Oh, that was I, I just about died laughing when I saw it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Because I remember thinking, I remember thinking, because at the time, uh, they had a TV show on CBS called The Equalizer. I remember mm -hmm. that. And I, I want to say that, that, was, that Macaulay Culkin had a part in that. I could oh, really? be wrong on that. Uh, uh -huh. He might have had like a, like a one-shot appearance or something on the show. But as All Jeopard episode something green. Oh, hot damn, I remembered it. <laughs> wow. uh, but yeah, so cool. you stand in there with that drill and they have like what sounds like the equalizer music playing over that. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. And so I just, I laugh and I keep, that one sticks in my mind. You know, that and then when they're dealing with Bug at the very end. <laughs> you know, he, he, Tia's, you know, he's talking with Tia and Tia's like, oh yeah, you know, he really was an asshole. And, <sighs> you know, well, he goes, oh, I took care of Bug. What did you do to Bug? <laughs> and of course, opening up the trunk. No, I think you should say I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was awesome. I think the hatchet scene, though. It was a hatchet, right? <laughs> yep. yep. Oh, God. That's probably my favorite out of the entire. And he was so flip about it. Just. Oh, yeah. Would you like to see my hatchet? I keep it in the trunk. 
And it's just so like, yeah. Oh, I'd like it, to know I have it in situations. You know, shave a little meat off the shoulder, chop <laughs> off the kneecap. <laughs> yeah. I the keep it sharp time. enough to circumcise a gnat. <laughs> and the look of Bugs. terror on Bug's face. And then you, it's, it pans into uh, Tia, and she's just looking disgusted. And he just, you know, John Candy's just going on, and it's just like, oh my God. You know, I, it made me wonder as he's starting the dialogue okay, does he really have a hatchet? And then you know, I'm thinking, does he really have this? And then he goes over there and just shows it. I'm like, oh, my God. I, why did I even question? Of course he has the hatchet. You know? <laughs> well, he had everything in the trunk of that car. That car was like. Right. <laughs> oh, God. I, I cracked up the, that scene just, I have to say, it's definitely one of my favorites. That one and the pancake scene, the birthday scene. Yeah. Um, that was very cool. Um, and that just kind of goes to show how over the top he was. Is, oh, and, yeah. you know in a good way in a in, mm-hmm. in my mind in a very good way a very positive jovial you know wanting to please everybody you know wanting to get to know the family um yeah he was i thought he was a great a great character yeah all right now not counting the stuff the films that john candy did before 1979 because he was in steven spielberg's 1941 in 79 do you guys know of what might be his most obscure role who's harry crumb no um he was the security guard in um national lampoon's vacation no that's that's not that obscure um um I'm looking at his filmography here, and the most obscure thing that I found him in that I did not know he was even in, and I have not seen this movie since I was a kid, mm-hmm. 1985's Follow That Bird. He was oh, a policeman yeah. in the Sesame Street movie. Follow yes. That Bird. Yeah, they had yeah. him. Oh, my God. They I remember had... that. Holy uh, crap. <laughs> God, they had Chevy Chase in that film. There was like there was a whole yeah. bunch of people. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'd totally forgotten about that. Oh, wow. Wow. Very cool. I mean, his didn't, didn't, career. He used to, didn't he used to do like a British or a Canadian comedy show? Yeah. Kind of like Saturday Night Live? SCTV. SCTV, Doug and Bob. It was yeah. him and Rick Moranis. Yes. Him and um, well, Harold yeah. Ramis, too, right? Well, yep. Or they were going to drink a bunch of beer. Well, yep. Drink some Labatt's. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't it, wasn't Harold Ramis and Bill Murray in that, too? Or I, I could be. Yeah, Harold Ramis was in it. He was actually a he wasn't so much on screen as he was more so of a writer for SCTV. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he did do some on screen things. That's uh, so cool. That was in the seventies, right? Uh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, SCTV so was it? No, it wasn't in the seventies. It was in uh, well, seventy six to seventy nine was the first part of it. Uh, Second City TV. And then it came back 81 to 83. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And I think National Infant Vacation was 1983. So I'm wondering if that was his first like movie mm. role. I'm wondering. No, if- it wasn't. Um, before National Lampoon in 83, he was, he started his career actually on film started in 73. The first thing he ever did was called a film called Class of 44. Whoa. Um, Class of 44, uh, Find the Lady, Silent Partner in 78, Lost and Found in 79, 1941 in 79. Uh, he was in the Blues Brothers in 80. He was Burton Mercer in oh. the Blues Brothers. 
Okay, and you yep. had mentioned 1941 before that. Okay. Yep. okay. And he was in Stripes, Dewey Ox Oxburger yep. in 81. Oh, wow. Um, he was in Brewster's Millions in 85. Uh, Summer Rental. Summer Rental was amazing. I oh, love I that love, movie. I love that movie, too. Just the whole boat race and, yep. you know, just some of the stuff that he went through with that. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we already talked about last Thanksgiving, we talked about planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh-huh. Um, he was also a, ma- a mog, half man, half dog in Spaceballs as Barf. <laughs> yes. I, oh my gosh. He was his own best friend. <laughs> yep. His own best friend. Yep. Um, Doug already mentioned who's Harry Crumb. Uh, he was Gus Polinsky, the Polka King of the Midwest in Home Alone. <laughs> Yep. Um, he was in Only the Lonely in '91, Delirious, JFK. Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He oh, actually no. was the announcer in the Rookie of the Year film in '93 yeah, so, wow. from from Disney. His last film that was really like a full, like he finished the entire thing, was Cool Runnings in '93. Yes, Wagons okay. East in '94, but he never actually. I don't think he finished it because it said here, it says here he died during the filming. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, there was a posthumous release in 95 of Canadian Bacon where he played Canadian Sheriff Bacon. Sheriff Bud Boomer. Um, I think I saw that. Yeah. And then there was an unreleased film, The Magic Seven. Uh, he was a voice. Uh, it was produced 90 to 93, but it never got released. Uh, television, we already mentioned SCTV. Um Gotta, we got to bring up Camp Candy. Yeah, Camp Candy, Camp. his his cartoon series. Camp Candy? Yep. Oh, my really? God. How did you not know about Camp Candy? Camp Candy. Yeah, ran on NBC. I, you know, that sounds very familiar. What, Like, what was it? It was a cartoon series on, on ABC. Yeah. Really? Um, 8992 animated television series produced by Deke Entertainment with comedian John Candy, printing voice for an animated version of himself. The show is set in fictional summer camp run by John Candy. The animated series spanned a brief comic book series based on the show. Uh, 27 episodes of the series aired during... Almost all episodes would begin where John Candy would be trying to show an outdoor skill to some kids, to which he would then say it reminded him of a story. He would then tell of the story in the episode narration. John was a dedicated leader of Camp Candy, summer camp that is presumably built by him, and he tries to get various kids to get along. So it's kind of like... It's kind of like his version of um, Fat Albert. I yeah. was just gonna say Fat Albert I, <laughs> when you were talking about that. It kind of, kind of, it, yeah, that was what popped into my head. I'll be damned! I never saw that. Yeah, Fat Albert mixed Whoa. with Great Outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going through his filmography, he did pull off that. I keep using going back to the word obnoxious, but that's the only way I can really describe him. Just pleasantly obnoxious. He plays that type of role. So yeah. well. So yeah. well. It just, That's you know, the kind of comedy he had, yeah. And it just, yeah, and see, for me, it takes a lot for me to laugh. It, <laughs> I'm not somebody that can watch a movie, and sometimes I look at things and I'm just like, this is so freaking dumb. I, I'm not amused, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of the comedies, it just, it's just like, really? You're trying too hard. I, I'm not, it, I'm not getting it. But then there's some that are just spot on, and he was definitely one of those that was just spot on Chris Farley. I, I crack up every time I see black sheep, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. there's just, some of them just have it. Some yeah. comedians just have it. Other ones, like, I don't, I, I can't 
say why exactly, but like Adam Sandler, I don't think he's funny in the least. But there's other people that, yeah, they, they have to have something special. And John Candy definitely, in every movie that he was in, wasn't he in Splash too? Yes. He, yep. played, he played the brother and he was hilarious in that very obnoxious in that one and it he played it so well well it's so funny um with some of the cast in this in uncle buck because there is one on here that i did like i've seen her before i'd seen her in uncle buck and Mm -hmm. then i had seen her on television uh in from 2000 to 2006 but i had no idea it was the same person uh, Jean Louisa Kelly, who yes. was Tia Tia Russell and Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck was her was her very first film. Was it? Uh, now you yeah. want you want another real shocker for you? I huh. didn't realize this until I was looking at IMDb and saw this. She was what? also uh, Rowena Morgan in Mr. Holland's Opus. She was the one that almost had like this whole love thing going on with with, with um, Mr. Mr. Holland. Holland. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. that was but her. That's, Yep, yeah, but that's not even that's not even the worst or the best uh uh realization. She is or she was the role of Kim Warner in the CBS series Yes Dear. <laughs> I've really? seen so many episodes of Yes Dear, I had no idea it was the same person. Neither I've did I. never seen that show. I'll be damned. It's a really funny show. It um it stars her uh, she is the uh, wife to Anthony Clark as Greg uh, Greg Warner. Uh, it has Michael Malley as Jimmy Hughes Jr. and Liza Snyder as Christine Hughes. Uh-huh. Um, it's a really really funny show. It really I'll have is. To check that out. Yeah. So she plays the wife. I'll I I gotta say that I thought in that show that um, Jimmy was a lot funnier than Anthony Clark. Well, the guy who plays Jimmy was. Oh the, yeah. Michael O'Malley, he's he's a crack, yeah. You know, they they wrote more episodes for him, it seemed like, than they did for Anthony Clark. But. Well, that that's because the Greg character is the straight man. He's the guy that doesn't want to do anything outside of what he's supposed to, kind of thing. Really? Uh, he wants to. He, he he's he's a rule follower. He's he's not a Bart Simpson. He's more of a Lisa Simpson. <laughs> yeah, okay. There you go. Uh, the funny thing, Doug, if you want to see something Mike O'Malley did that is so drastic, watch an episode of Yes, Dear, and watch the first couple of episodes of, uh, oh, God, what was that series? Um, My Own Worst Enemy. Oh. Okay. Yeah, with, with um, Christian Slater. Right, uh. but... Michael O'Malley is a comedian the way he's supposed to be in Yes, Dear, in... My own worst enemy, I this is not a role I would ever see him in. But he plays this super hard ass spy along with Christian Slater, and it's not comedy at all. It's a completely serious role, and I'm like, oh wow, this guy can yes. really act. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Very cool. I'll have to check that out. What is it? ABC? Uh CBS, I don't yes. think it's airing anymore. No, uh, uh, oh. it was it was actually killed after about like twelve episodes. Oh damn. Oh, oh. Was it? Yeah. Oh, wasn't it? What yes, dear? Oh no, oh, you no, mean no. My Own Worst Enemy. Eva, oh, what okay. you asking about? My own worst enemy or yes dear? Yes, dear. 
Yes, Dear ran from 2000 to 2006. I don't oh. know if it's still in syndication, but Doug is right. Okay. With My Almost Enemy, they, NBC killed it after six episodes. Oh, yeah. damn. Okay. Yeah. Damn, that's so cool that she's still, you know, relevant and working. And Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Now that you know who it is, does she look like she did back? I mean, could you no. help out? I, really? No. Yeah. I didn't even, oh. until, I, until I looked it up right now, I didn't even know it was the same person. Oh, because man. originally, the, this is just, I guess, me being kind of uh, ignorant sometimes. Originally, <laughs> I thought this was... Um, I thought this was Ferris's sister for the longest oh, time. Uh, you know, I thought the same thing for a bit. I thought, yeah, I thought it was, uh, oh. yeah, I thought it was Jennifer Grey for the longest time, and it isn't. Damned. I'll be damned. Jennifer we... Grey, yeah, she looks totally different now because of her yeah. nasal surgery. So, but I can, I'm picturing her and I'm picturing, you know, was her name Jean Louisa Kelly? I'm picturing them yeah. right now, and I can yeah. kind of see how they kind of look alike. Yeah. yeah. What a trip. Uh, Shall we talk about Michael Jackson's favorite son? Yes. Yes, right? I have to mention him. Right. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin, I, I will say this. I loved him in this role because he was just so quick yeah. on a lot of the stuff. And he was just very flippant about it. Yeah. In this, as, as, you know, Miles, he was great. He was cute, but I have to say. in most of the other roles that he played in, the only other role which I liked him in but yeah i just realized that he's now really fucking annoying was yeah. home alone mm-hmm. again another john hughes film yeah. he's not that annoying he's not that annoying in the home alone movies um, i think i'm gonna interject here this is just my personal opinion mm-hmm. as a kid my that was like my brother's favorite movie and we probably saw it five thousand times so I, that part of it is just the fact that it was just the constantly having to see it. And I don't know, because this was like 1990, but like my mom hates the movie but in part because we had to see it so often because of my brother. But she made some like like remark years ago. You know, I think Home Alone is kind of the start of like the kids disrespecting their parents. And I kind of got to thinking about it. And I was like, you know, this was, yeah, 1990. And she's like, you know what, and it kind of made sense. She's like, you know, this is like your generation and we're starting to see the kid, you know, the kids talking back and, you know, doing all this stuff that, you know, back in the day when I was a kid, this shit didn't happen, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the disrespect. And I'm kind of wondering if she had a point with that, because up until Home Alone, you didn't really see a lot of, I can't think of any movie where you see kids actively, you know, going against adults and plotting and, and just kind of the disrespect. I, I don't, I can't think of anything off the bat. Um, well, who's to do the, or have we, did we already do the home alone movies? I don't even remember. No. no. Uh-uh. We'll, we'll have to do them this Christmas because I'll yeah. say this here and now he's not re he's a, maybe this, He's not necessarily Kevin McAllister is not really a middle child, but he's not really the youngest child either. Because you have, yeah. you know, Buzz and Megan and Jeff and all, all these so other kids. kids around. There's yeah. so many kids around that he's not really, you know. And then you got Fuller and everybody else. The Fuller, right. the kid that wet his bed. So I can kind of see in a huge family like that where he just wants one or two things and maybe it's because i kind of relate to him since i'm an only child and i want what i want when i want it yeah but it's one of those things where i see kevin McAllister as a 
child who feels like he's not being heard. I don't right. see it as him scheming right. because he's not he's not really scheming. He just wants his cheese pizza and to watch the gangster movie. That's all he wants. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's true. You and know. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but oh god. Yeah. It just <laughs> That's a very good point. I mean, you get lost in the shuffle with all those damn kids. It's just like, yep. but that the whole premise of that movie too. How can you fucking forget your kid? That that's oh, another thing too. Yeah. As a parent, it's like, how can you freaking forget your kid? So, I know we're I know we're off the topic of Uncle Buck, but since we're talking about Macaulay Culkin and his his filmography here, yeah, this is a little while ago. I don't know how far back on my Facebook it is, but I shared a picture. Uh, I'll, I'll have to see if I can find it. They didn't just forget him. The scene where the milk spills on the tickets. Yes. What was Peter it? They McCall- threw, they threw Peter a ticket McAllister away. threw Kevin's ticket away when they mopped up the milk. Uh, there's, there's a video online. There's a slow motion video online, like a GIF picture showing... And it, it's someone circling where it is. So they had yes. his ticket. They just threw it away when oh. the when, when the milk got spilt in, in the kitchen scene. I, um, whoa. Yeah. I did not know that. And I, I'm telling you, as a kid, I saw that movie 5,000 times. Yeah. I do not remember that. I'd have to see that. I'll be, yeah. Yeah, I'll, not a little bit forget five, him, but they really yeah. fucked him. Oh, no. Well, uh, I have to bring ahead. up a couple of other movies that he was in because there were some that just – they really kind of pissed me off. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, um, I know it's there. Okay, first off, we have The Page Master. Uh-huh. I hated that movie. I, I saw it because I was all excited, thinking it's going to be a cartoon movie, and it's going to have Macaulay Culkin, and it's going to be, it's going to have Patrick Stewart in there, and I'm like, this is going to be great. And then I watched it, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Right. <laughs> That's exactly that was my reaction too. It was. It reminded me like they were trying to do this whole Saturday morning cartoon uh, with OG Readmore from ABC, mm-hmm. and they were trying to bring these books to life and make you interested in wanting to read. Which it was cool. It was admirable for that. I will give them that. But yeah. at the same time, it was a really shitty plot. It, yeah, yeah. It, it was a really crappy plot. The funny thing is, I think you're right, Doug. I think they originally wanted to make this animated because you have so many animated voice actors here. Frank Welker is in this movie um, uh, as as voices. Um, Jim Cummings, Darkwing Duck, is in this movie. Phil Hartman, B.J. Ward. Oh, um, yeah. Dorian Harewood. Uh, yep. But, yeah, the page master really wasn't – all that great. It sucked. Yeah. It had it had a lot of um, a lot of advertising, and they really should have spent the money instead of spending it spending the budget on advertising. They should have spent it on writers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. One of the other films that they did with Macaulay Culkin, which really kind of creeped me out after seeing it. I bet uh, you I know what it is. Yeah. It was it was a role reversal of the Bad Seed called The Good Son. Yep. Yeah, that was a little creepy. And was, just that all that shit. He makes that he makes this gun that shoots bolts and he's yep. shooting it through trees and he ends up killing the neighbor's dog. Yep. Just evil disturbing. little bitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. very disturbing. Yeah. There was a movie that I don't know when it it wasn't too long ago that came out where he played and I for the life of me, I don't know the title. 
I saw snippets of it and it was disturbing. I couldn't watch it anymore, but he played, I don't want to say, I don't know if he was gay, but he played a drag queen and he was doped up on heroin throughout the entire Mm -hmm. part of the movie I saw. And it, it made me sad because he's got some drug issues in his real life that he's fighting, you know, drug demons. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just, I caught maybe 15 minutes of it. I want to say it came out maybe 2010, 2011. Um, the wrong Ferrari? I don't know. I, uh, it would probably come to me if, if you read it off, but I don't remember right offhand. But he played in drag through the entire scene, and he was doped up, and it was very, like, whoa. Like, he, it, was, it was almost realistic. It just mm-hmm. kind of creeped me out. Um, I don't think it was the wrong Ferrari. It was fairly recent within the last five well, the years. The wrong, wrong Ferrari was 2011. Um, before that was Sex and Breakfast. That might have been it if he played a gay character or a drag queen. Uh, sparking a relationship, cold distance growing between them. Uh, it was like, whoa, like I can't watch any more of this. This is going to be dark. Yeah. Um, yeah I, you know, I wonder if that was, that might have been Party Monster, because I thought that that Yes! Was, yeah. Yes, Party yes, Monster. Yes, that was 2003. Was it that long ago? Yeah, oh my yeah. god, okay, maybe, I thought it was in the last few years. I don't know, It it, that sounds familiar, and it was disturbing. I couldn't, I was just like, whoa, he's so down low in the gutter now that he has to play this and it it made me sad i was just like oh this poor because he i i even though i couldn't stand him as a kid because i got he was so overexposed mm-hmm. you know he was cute he was talented you know to get yeah. him that you know but yeah i think that's what it was he just got way too overexposed you know he was so young and then isn't like all his brothers and sisters actors and you know into that too Oh yeah, his, his like, brother showed up in uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, it's like the family. It's like a family thing, and I just feel like these parents just must have forced it on him. But he just—he's taken such a downward spiral, like Lindsay Lohan, and it's just like, oh, it's just sad to see that. Um, but yeah, I can't say I—I I don't like him. It's yeah. not bad. The one film that he did do in that I thought was a really, really spot-on casting of him from animation to screen was Richie Rich. Richie Rich! Yeah. I loved Richie Rich because it was just one of those films where it really did match the... The cartoon series, the old cartoon shorts. So. Yeah. He did a good job in Richie Rich. I <laughs> I have to say. And that wasn't uh, Walter Matthau in that? I think so, yes. I, I could be wrong. I Mr. Wilson. I think he no, did. That was, no, that was Dennis the Menace. Yeah. Dennis the Menace. Okay. Not really. Um, not Richie Rich. <laughs> yeah. I've got, yeah. Um, maybe I didn't see Richie Rich. Wait. Who was in Richie Rich? Just- um, oh, oh, it's gonna bug me now. <laughs> Let me see. Richie Rich was. Let's see. Of course, Dougie's gonna have to edit all of this out now that I've said this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see here. 
Uh, let's, let's see who see. can do it. Uh, and Macaulay Culkin, John Larroquette is the villain. John Hyde is Herbert Arthur Runstable Cadbury. Uh, Edward Herman as Richard Rich. Uh, Christine Eversall as Regina Rich. Uh, I didn't see that one. Reggie Jackson as the baseball coach. Uh, <laughs> Claudia huh. Schiffer as the aerobics instructor. Really? <laughs> yeah. I did not see that, I don't think. Oh. Ben Stein as the economics, uh, oh, econ- yeah. economics teacher. Of uh, course. One of his, I assume, yeah, his brother... Macaulay's brother Rory as young Richie Rich. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So There's like a whole big Colkin uh, clan, and like they're all actors. And oh yeah, Karen cool. and, and Rory yeah. and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope he picks himself up. I really do. I haven't heard anything about him recently, but I have haven't been... either, yeah. Watch, he'll end up bringing the next to Robert Downey Jr. He'll show up in, you know, no. Avengers 3 or something like that. Oh, yeah. stop it. Don't even, don't even <laughs> curse Avengers 3 like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, I'm talking out my ass at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I you know I I want him to be a success story I do yeah. because it's just, you know he does have a lot of talent it's just so yeah. sad to see and when I saw I swear when I saw I think it was Party Monster I was just like I couldn't watch it anymore I was just like oh this yeah. I can't it's too true to life I can't do it um, and it, it it did make me sad it's just this the typical stereotype you know get into yeah. it too young and yeah so, I I want to kind of keep going on with some of the other actors here because there, there actually yeah. were quite a few good actors in this. I mean, we have, uh, for example, like Gabby Hoffman who shows up, who's Maisie Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabby, we did see her in Sleepless in Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, which we mentioned last week. Uh, she was in Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, she was in Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner. Uh, more recently, she was actually, she was just in the recently released, uh, Veronica Mars movie playing as Ruby Jetson. Oh. Uh, and she's, uh, Caroline Sackler on HBO's Girls, which I haven't oh, seen. Oh, okay. I have seen that. Okay. Okay. It's been a while. I haven't seen it since it first came out. That show is interesting because, um, the newscaster, the journalist, uh, Brian Williams, Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his daughter is in that that was her it's her very first acting role and she does a pretty damn good job and I remember catching it thinking oh okay I'm going to watch this just out of curiosity um, and yeah it, it hasn't stuck with me but I know who the character is you're talking about very cool I've heard it's supposed to be just like it's supposed to be like a 20 somethings sex in the city type of thing. It is. Yeah. It is. It's very, uh, they're, they're college age and yeah, it's just kind of all the adventures of all the different characters. It very, very much so. so uh, we also have in this film here with uncle buck, we have Amy Madigan who also shows up in field of dreams. Oh, yeah. does she? Yep. I don't think uh, I've seen the uh, you're going to have to watch it because we're going to have to cover that one. I am. Uh, now, is Amy Madigan, is that the mother or is that the girlfriend? Uh, that's uh, that's the girlfriend. That's yeah, Janice. That's okay. Uh, she also showed up on one of my favorite shows with um, Mr. Krabs himself, Clancy Brown. Uh, <laughs> yep. She was Iris Crow in Carnival. Yep. Oh, okay. I, I love that series, and I really wish that HBO had kept it around. Why they killed it, I'm still not certain, but uh. it is what it is. 
Kind of like Dexter. It's like, why kill off a good thing? Yeah. Well, they didn't kill Dexter. They gave him a series finale. They did. They did. Yeah. But it was just kind of like, why? You know, this it's not. It's. Going. It's not like HBO pulled a Fox and just stopped production on Boston Public yeah. like Fox did. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, she. You know, Amy's been around. Uh, she was also. Let me see. She was. For any Fringe fans out there, she was uh, Marilyn Dunham on Fringe. Uh, oh, she's been okay. Dr. Wyatt on Grey's Anatomy, so oh. she's had her she's had her rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, I recognized him in this film, uh, Jay Underwood as Bug. I recognized him not so much for uh, the Boy Who Could Fly, which was one of his first roles, but he did look familiar. Yeah, he was. He yeah. was with uh, was it Jennifer Grey that was in that one? I'm not sure. Uh, oh. Let me see. I don't remember the boy who could fly. Wow. Yeah, uh, but he was he was in that one, and then where I remembered him from was the Disney Channel series. Uh, well, I shouldn't call it series because they were all a bunch of TV movies that they did mm-hmm. uh, called Not Quite Human. Not Quite uh, Human. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. And he was supposed to be an android, and Alan Thicke yes. was his dad. Mm-hmm. It was, I thought it was pretty decent for what it was, and yeah. I mean. Part of it was that there was a book series that had come out at that time, and they were, you know, I want to say they were like maybe 150, 200 pages. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed reading it. Yeah. And it was all based on, you know, it was all loosely on that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I, I know that they had like 10 or 12 books, and I only ever read three, and that was all I could ever find. But I really liked the series for what it was. Oh, be darned. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he was there. And of course, he played later on. He played as Sonny Bono in "And the Beat Goes On" TV movie. Oh, really? Uh, and he was also this one still kind of st- sticks in my craw a little bit. He was Ernest Hemingway in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I like Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but at the same time, some of the characters, some of the people that they had coming out there didn't fit yeah it just yeah. it kind of depressed me <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean, and we do have some others that showed up uh, uh laurie metcalf who we've already mentioned was sheldon's uh, mom uh, uh, aunt jackie on roseanne mm-hmm. uh i'm trying to think just off the top of my head what else she's done because she's done a lot oh much she's, yeah yeah she's done a lot of stuff um, got her, we got Elaine Bronka, and Elaine Bronka, one of the things that I remember with her, uh, she was, oh god, she was in a movie with, oh, let me look it up now. It's Which dark. character was this? Uh, this was uh, Tia's mom. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, this was like late 80s, early 90s. She, no, well, maybe not. I thought that she did a movie with, uh, where she was like, she was lauded as the French teacher, but I guess I could be wrong. I know huh. I've seen her face in like numerous things. Really? Uh, she was district attorney in LA Law. She was on Days of Our Lives for a few episodes. Uh, let's see. What else? She was on Law and Order CI. Uh, Law and Order SVU. <laughs> wow. Uh, 
yeah, she she had her spots there. Not not anything that really like I, I feel like I know I've seen her in like a bunch of things, but maybe it's I haven't. It's funny, I haven't seen her in anything other than this movie that I could think of. So it's kind of interesting. So yeah, uh, you know, and I know that they had. That's really all that I really have here for actors. I mean, I, there were others out there, but yeah. you know, it's kind of like ah, oh, they're smaller roles. You know, the guy who was Pooter the Clown. You know. One of my favorite things about that was just that he got decked in the nose a couple times by Uncle Buck. Oh, <laughs> yes. That was great. That was great. So, uh, did want to touch a little bit on the trivia. Uh, mm-hmm. cause there was there was a little bit of trivia that I have here. Uh, crap, I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was, I don't know if you remember, but there used to be a TV show called Uncle Buck that was run on CBS for a while. It was very short-lived. Yes. I vaguely Thank God. Remember. Yes. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Well, they had comedian Kevin Meany who was playing as Uncle Buck, and what had happened was that he he actually took care of the family. He, he became the guardian of the kids oh, after wow. the parents were in a car accident and died. Oh. Uh, and it was just, it was horrible. I mean... Oh... Well, here's the thing: is that Kevin Meany really isn't all that funny to begin with. Who is it? Who? The name sounds familiar. He's a stand-up uh, comedian. Kevin Meany. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. I'll yeah, the... he's he's gay, and if you see him, you'll kind of be like, okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but yeah, just really safe. not that funny. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, but yeah, they had that. They killed it. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh. The it, the bit where Miles is interrogating Uncle Buck. Yes. I love that. The whole thing with that, though, they actually had uh, John Candy wrote out the script's dialogue, and he wore it atop his head so that oh. Macaulay Culkin could read the lines much more quickly, keep up with that pace, and just boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it was very, like, back and forth very, very quickly. Very cool. Yeah. And so you see that. You don't actually see it, but that's all when you can tell when they're doing that because it's all focusing on Macaulay Culkin where it's just a close-up of him and you don't actually see uh, John Candy. Nope. And that was what was going on was they were bumping back and forth with that real quick. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, Another thing here was that all of the sets, almost every single set that you see in the film was actually built inside of a school gymnasium. I'll be damned. Uh, even the oh. even the two-story Russell house, that was in a school gymnasium that they built. Whoa. Very and cool. that kind of seems to be a thing with John Hughes because when I... they did uh, Breakfast Club, they basically yes. redid the entire gymnasium to look like a library. As soon as you said that, I was when I it popped into my head, I'm like, he's done that before. That's so cool. Yep. I wonder if it saves money or something on the overall budget to do something like that. I'm kind of curious why that was something that he It might have cuz they were they were doing the filming in Chicago and I think at the time when they were doing uh filmings there was that a lot of these schools were either being remodeled or renovated. Oh. And so that may be why they threw why they threw them in there like that. So uh, One last thing that I'm really glad for this didn't happen. Uh-huh. But they wanted Uncle Buck to be Danny DeVito originally. Oh, yeah. Would have never worked. No. No, no it would not no. have. 
No. You know, it would have never worked because I don't... I'm trying to remember when it came. I think Uncle Buck came out before the movie that I'm going to mention, but I just want to make sure because I don't... I could never see Danny DeVito in mm. this role at no. all. No. Um, He's not intimidating enough. No. He um, can be, but this is not this would not have been a good role for him. No. As a, no. you know, I I've, I've said this many times on the Geekcast Radio Network shows and I might have said it here, but as a kid my mom let me watch pretty much anything. Um, and I, the reason why I cannot see Danny DeVito as Buck is because he does so well as Owen! Throw Mama from the train. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes. yes. That, you know, and, and he was, of course, Dex, Dex Shiflet in Rainmaker and, you know, on Taxi and just... Mm. Yeah. Th- that, those funny, attitudes... Yeah, he, he's funny, but yeah, it, it wouldn't have worked with the kids. That in my mind, it just wouldn't have flowed. So, now, interesting. One last thing about trivia that I wanted to bring up: that car that he had. Uh-huh. If you notice, if you remember, with the John Hughes films, it was kind of one of these instrumental things where little things in in the movies always seem to revolve around a really crappy car. Yes, because you had that in Vacation. Where they're yep. driving the the truckster, uh, yep. you had this thing here, this giant Mercury Marquis coupe with the uh, it had the knob on the steering wheel so you could crank the turns for the wide turns. Yep. <laughs> uh, and of course, you had planes, trains, and automobiles where they were driving that rental car that was just like oh, blown all the hell. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. So oh. you know, again, this is kind of one of these John Hughes moments that carries through. <laughs> Uh, oh, very yeah. true. Did they yeah. ever show? Remember, we were talking when we did the John Hughes spotlight about how he uh, the license plates. I wonder if it ever showed his license plate in oh, the movie. Um, I think it did, but I never picked up on that. Yeah, I you know I didn't even I had known this was John Hughes, but it did not occur to me to even like look. We noticed that he did he does do something with the license plates where it's like significant. Like they they stand for something, they mean something, and it, it I didn't even it didn't even occur to me to look. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's one of his other trademarks that we kind of picked up on. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, that's about all that I have here. Anybody else have anything else they want to put in on the show? It, it was just an amazing movie. Uh, it was it was very heartwarming. It was very heartfelt, and there's. Okay, outside of Bug, there really isn't a character that you don't want to root for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to say, I did like the ending. I thought the ending was very sweet. I thought it was, you know, it was good for the family to kind of come together, and everything worked out in the end, and, and Buck learned, you know, some responsibility and kind of ingratiated himself in the family, and Tia became less of a bitch, and it it, it did all work out in the end in a positive way and I did like that I think something else occurred to me as we were talking about Amy Madigan I did not like Shanice's character in this movie I I thought she was kind of annoying <laughs> I mm. thought that I can understand being John Candy's girlfriend in this I can kind of understand but I, I still that being said I can still kind of think wow you know she kind of overreacted and didn't you know spoke over him didn't let him 
get a word in. He's trying to explain himself in multiple scenes. Um, you know, very overreacting, you know, histrionic, pushy, kind of annoying. Um, it just kind of turned me off a little bit to her character. Um, you know, even the scene, granted, it looked bad with the neighbor Marcy and him dancing, which was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and then she lets herself into the house. I'm just thinking, is this just a freaking open door policy in this house? People are just walking on in, you know? You know, and she sees them dancing and she's just like immediately flips out. And I'm just like, give the man a chance to speak. You know, yeah, yeah. it just it, it, throughout every scene in every interaction with them, there was no chemistry. But even beyond that, it was just she was just out to like nitpick him and just looking for the bad and not letting him explain himself. And it just it irked me. I was just like, really, you know get off your fucking high horse and let him talk. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, so that combined, you know, Shanice combined with Tia, it, it took me a while to put my finger on it, but I think those two were the characters that kind of brought it down for me. But overall, you know, the ending was great and the movie was very good. I, I, I'm picturing the scene where he, before he meets the principal and he's having to take a leak in the little kid's bathroom. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. And he has to kneel down at the urinal and I'm just cracking up at all these little things that you know he had to do and it just or the scene where he's at, at the house and he's eating frosted flakes out of the bag yep. uh, and they're spilling on him so he uses the vacuum hose <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate lazy man <laughs> exactly I was just like okay this is endearing you know, <laughs> you know just all these little things that he, that he did it just like oh or even, you know, breaking the plate within five minutes of coming into the house. Breaking huh, the unbreakable. Plate. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, all these little touches that he just pulled off so beautifully. It just, <laughs> so, yes. All of this being said, I, I can't say I hate the movie. I can't say I dislike the movie. It was cute. Yeah. And you know what? If you're out there and you hate the film, that's fine. I'm not going to diss on you for it. That's your opinion. Everybody has I an will. opinion. Well, I'm going to say this. Everybody has an opinion. They're just like assholes. They all stink. Absolutely. I, I wanted to reach through and strangle Shanice, and I wanted to reach through and strangle Tia. Other than that, I love the movie. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's pretty much it. We'll go ahead and we'll sign off here. Um, I'm probably going to edit this out because I'm not sure what song to play, but I will have a song for us. <laughs> All right. So be my queen if you know what I mean. Let's do 